Welcome to the Bell Ringers Teaching Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Bell Ringers. How's it going, Young? It's going all right. Um, overall, I think I am feeling fatigued from teaching. Um, it, I lasted until March, so it's good. Um, so that's that's a, that's about a, as far as edu protocols can take you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, till but, March. Yeah. Well, actually, to be fair, there's there were other things that kind of like throw a wrench in. I guess just a flow of school for me. So. Um, with like COVID things and like standardized testing, things have just been kind of all over the place, as well as just my personal motivation and energy to plan ahead. And so right now it's kind of like I'm giving myself a lot of grace and reminding myself that I'm a first year teacher or a fresh, a very fresh teacher. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just, I think I'm still able to identify all of the things that I can be doing more and things that I would like to be doing. But then when I sit down to try to do it, it's kind of like, ah, oh, this is, it's not really worth my time right now because I need to take a nap or do something <laughs> else. Or um, like at the minimum, I'm just going to get caught up on my grading and at least that will clear my plate for like that side of things. And then, by the time I get to like planning for next week, it's like, oh, how about we just plan for tomorrow? And <laughs> let's see, let's see what we can do. So fair enough. I think uh, that works. Just make a list, you know, of the things mm-hmm. and and for next year or for summer or you know, whenever it is that you're ready and feeling recharged. Um I am looking forward. I like to think of it as like the amusement park kind of big event in my world. Mm -hmm. And that's the McCall conference. The it's basically the Michigan ed tech conference. And so I, I love going to it. I love connecting with other ed techie people and teachers. And then the other extra bonus is that I get to go to Grand Rapids and, uh, you know, stay in a hotel and, and just have a lot of fun. And, and then it's especially exciting, I guess, or so two years ago, we were there at the conference, we were out, you know, mingling with our ed tech people, and then uh, the whole world shut down the next day. So like, that's always my like, basically night before COVID kind of memory of we were at the EdTech conference and then it got canceled uh, a day early and we all headed home with toilet paper from the hotel. (laughs) Um, So I, last year it was virtual Mm -hmm. and this year we're back in person. So I'm, I'm pumped about like getting to go on this little trip and be a part of this event. And so today we're kind of talking about ed tech tools because that's on my mind. And then you were mentioning that, you know, you're trying to think of different ways of students creating things or answering things. What were, what was on your mind? Yeah. So um, with my new seventh graders, I 
there are some students with IEPs. And so I, with that in consideration, I wanted to think of ways other than writing to get some, um, I don't know, just like creations or just like feedback about like what they um, read or watched. And um, I, I know that Kyla has done something with Flipgrid or students recording themselves explaining something. And I thought that was pretty neat because I've often, um, uh, when students are asking me like what kind of notes they should take or how much notes to take um, after reading something, I kind of say like, well, explain to me like what you thought were the most important things. And then they, a lot of them can just like pretty much summarize the entire reading very well and just like hit all the main points. And then I just say, okay, yeah, just what you said just now, write that down. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, well, if we could just record what they said, then that saves them a step, saves me a step. And um, it's could also be a different tool for them to figure out how to record video, how to um, like make sure you sound okay. And just all of the things that you don't think to teach or that kids don't need to be taught how to record videos or audio. And maybe that's a good stepping stone into that. Yeah. Well, it brings me and kind of primes me a little bit for this panel I'm going to be on next week, but just thinking about universal design for learning mm -hmm. and, and kind of what you mentioned is, you know, even just thinking you mentioned students with IEPs, but really in UDL, we talk about what's good for one is, is really good for all. And so when we think about universal design in general, they, they talk a lot of times about like, you know, the, the, the ramp for wheelchairs going into a building. And that's what it was intended for. But certainly it's also helpful, like if you're a mom or dad with a stroller or, you know, there can be a lot of difference or you're bringing in um, a shipment of, of things and you've got like a hand truck. Um, so just thinking about offering those options so that students can kind of self-select. So I know like we have Canvas in my district and I try to model a lot when I'm making courses. Like if there's a discussion board, you can answer via text or audio or video, or if you wanna take a picture of something you handwrite, like whatever, like, because the goal, the learning goal is just for you to respond to this question. And if mm -hmm. like typing or, or um, writing or whatever it is, is gonna get in the way of that you know, let's remove that barrier and you can select the way that's going to work best for you. Yeah, I think I remember um, I turned on the option on Edpuzzle for students to respond via voice memo and only one student actually did that. Um, and so that was cool. I, I think more would have done that if I had explicitly said, hey, this is also an option. Um, yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, that's a newer feature of Edpuzzle, that audio response and, and totally, mm -hmm. totally. Um, you're right. And, and I think students, right. They might not need it every time, but sometimes it's like, oh, I could just answer this with my voice. That'll be yeah. a lot easier. So, yeah, I mean, tech certainly, I mean, this is going in a little bit of a different direction than what I had planned, but tech certainly is going to kind of 
offer options for students so that we move away from that one size fits all kind of approach. Um, And yeah, it's true. A lot of the accommodations that students have, you know, is to be able to answer something um, orally, you know, and and te- or technology can help facilitate that instead of, you know, because students don't necessarily want to come up and, you know, to your desk and like tell you an answer in front of all the other students. Uh, so logistically or just, you know, um, based on their comfort level, they're not going to want to take that accommodation that they, they really could use and could help them demonstrate their learning um, a whole lot uh more than, than a way that's going to hinder them. Okay. So, so certainly, uh, really just bringing equitable opportunities is something technology can do, but there's, you know, tons of things technology can do. Today, we're going to kind of go through some of the heavy hitters, I guess, and we'll talk about what they do. And then maybe you can offer some thoughts as to, where that might fit for your students. So we're going to start off with the the most important because I've got to say as an ed techie person um, or even, even just in general, you know, after the pandemic or after COVID or I guess we're after, we'll say we're after, um, people are negative a little bit about technology in the classroom saying students have already been on devices so much they don't need to be on them anymore. Um, and, and you get this picture in your head and honestly, I see it too, right. Going through buildings sometimes and it's technology when it's used is isolating, right? The kid is looking at their device, their headphones are in, they're not talking to anybody. And really that's not the goal. And then a lot of times too, it's just like consuming information. I'm just watching this video or I'm just doing these like drill and kill kind of practice. So consuming or just low level kind of thought. So as the ed tech specialist that I am, that's fine in moderation, but what we really want is technology where students can create. So one of the the big ones that you brought up was Flipgrid. So Flipgrid is, you know, this basically video producing tool where you can have these discussions in class via video and students can produce all sorts of things you know there's different stickers they can put on there they can screencast on there if they don't want their video shown they can do just audio or they can put little stickers basically over their face uh, so they don't have to be seen so they can respond via video If you choose, they can see each other's videos and respond to each other. They can do a newscast. They can do a book review. They can do all, you know, all sorts of video. So that's, that's Flipgrid. And so you mentioned having audio response. What are some other thoughts that come to mind as far as what students could do with Flipgrid? Um, I I just thought of like maybe at a bigger school where we have multiple sections you could have you could use Flipgrid to have, you know, like your first period class talking with your second period class and having a discussion that way, almost like pen pals, 
like virtual pen pals between um, I mean because like they're all learning the same things in your class and so that's just what I thought of like oh this would be really cool if I could like or either like collaborate with a different teacher um, same subject teaching the same um, thing and have their students and my students collaborate and discuss and learn or if you have a bigger um, more sections then you can just be between your your classes but that's just something I thought of right away. So the other one I, well, one that I, I haven't dug into a ton, but it has a lot of potential um, and it's been around for quite a while is book creator. And, you know, you certainly maybe think about elementary level when you're thinking this way, but really it's, it's not just elementary because students can make a book about anything, anything they're learning, and they can bring in all of this um, different kinds of media. They can collaborate on them. They can, you know, publish them. And I believe the, the Chrome version of Book Creator is free. Yes, I'm, I'm almost certain it is. So there's all sorts of like creativity. They basically get this blank page and can add to it. Um, so Book Creator is another, you know, great way for students to demonstrate their learning. And then, tell me, well, first of all, I guess, have you heard of Book Creator before? I have not. <gasps> okay. Book Creator, such, such, such a great tool for sure. Okay. How about Canva? I uh, sound familiar familiar but maybe I'm thinking of canvas or like oh my goodness so uh canva again this great creation tool so first of all canva is like a legit huge money-making company right Mm -hmm. I think um somebody out of Australia started it and then it's like the the tool for influencers, you know, like us, you know, I'm sure <laughs> with our with our booming podcast. And basically you can make all of these, um, you know, social posts and they have all these templates to make you look like you really know what you're doing as far as graphic design goes. I think I have heard of this. I think my sister um, uses it and she does a lot of social media things at her school and her um musical. So I think I have heard of it maybe. And, and, you know, the influencers, they may pay for it, or they may run into templates and images that are only for the paid version, but these lovely Canva creators uh, have pledged to be free for educators. And so over the past couple of years, they've really, um, it started out that you, you basically had to like submit proof that you were an educator and then they would upgrade your account, but now they're partnering with districts so that, um, so like my district, we partnered with them and basically set it up. So if you sign in with, with, um, an email from our school, you're automatically uh, going to be getting the premium version for free. And um, I'm not sure, I'm sure with Google Classroom, they link up. I know with Canvas, they link up so that not only can teachers be creating awesome things for the classroom and and they're really promoting, they've got Canva educators and and just, just really, really trying to help bring this into education. Um, 
So you can find graphic organizers on there to use for your class. You can find, um, you know, choice boards for your class, all sorts of things for teachers, mm-hmm. templates ready to go, but also students, you know, can hop in there and they can make presentations. They can make movies in Canva. They can make awesome looking posters and social graphics, you know, to summarize, you know, the main, the main idea of some of a book or a social studies concept. So like, there's just so many things that they can create and create visually, right? And and in a way that it's digital and it's just, and it looks outstanding. And it's so fun for them to make as well because they're being, you know, they're able to exercise uh, this creativity without, I know I appreciate, without having to be like artistic or crafty. Like, I feel like there's nothing students can't do in Canva. And they actually even added a, like a sketch, a sketch um, ability in beta. It's a beta right now. So like they could do sketch notes or, you know, all sorts of things. So Canva, Canva, Canva. It's awesome. If you haven't explored it, I mean, it's just an amazing tool for creativity for students and for teachers, really. I know our teachers really like it because you can make, you know, buttons for our learning management system, Canvas, uh, that look really great and banners for your course and all that for sure. Sounds really cool because it's like such a like professional program, right? I know. So, yes. Yeah. But students get it for free. And like I said, they're, they're just making it so friendly for, you know, any age student too, like as far as uh, privacy and COBA and FERPA mm-hmm. and all the things. Um, really tying in with um, learning management systems and all that to make it safe and easy to use. Ah, So creativity, right? Getting students to create, not just, you know, write a paragraph, not just like these very traditional things, but how can they demonstrate their learning uh, with creativity? and, And that kind of screen time, you know, is is welcome, right? Where they're, where they're thinking, creating, collaborating, all those things. And really you can utilize technology as that tool to create rather than just an information box, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself there. All right. Topic two. Or or the next kind of phase. So I'm moving away from tools to create, but and moving to tools for debate, mm-hmm. right? Um, or just like critical thinking in general. Mm-hmm. So there's two on here. Um, one I'm a little bit more familiar with. I'm feeling like they do something kind of similar, um, but really they're they're there to help you facilitate discussion and help get all students involved in a discussion. So I'm gonna start with Parlay Ideas. Um, Is there one that I'm a little bit more familiar with than the second one? But Parlay, basically, first of all, there's uh, a whole really library of debate and conversation topics. So you can go there for some inspiration and some guidance as to what are some topics that are out there um, that are relevant for students and relevant to your curriculum that students can talk about. And then here I should bring up 
their website just so that I have it all, all the wording correct. So they'll browse lessons and then you basically can hold an online roundtable. So kind of like a discussion board, you have the choice to let them uh, come in and get these pseudonyms, right? So they can be responding under pseudonyms so that they could feel a little bit more comfortable. And then from there, you don't necessarily have to stop there. Like certainly that online roundtable, you know, during COVID and remote learning, definitely an awesome tool, but you can take it a step further because really I know as as a social studies teacher, I loved discussions, right? But it was so difficult for me. uh, And I'm sure students do, right? When there was always students that just would not participate, did not want to speak up. Even when I threatened, you know, this is your grade, you're going to get a zero, (laughs) you know, it just, it, they just didn't want to. And so number one, having this online piece is going to allow students that would never speak up in class to have, have a voice there, but that helps prepare and helps people guide their thoughts and get an idea of, you know, where this conversation is going to go and where this debate's going to go. And then you can have a live round table and parlay also helps to facilitate that. So in a sense, what it does, it kind of creates this like cue almost for the discussion. So you can like, who's going to be up next in talking, you know, so there's not that person necessarily that's always dominating the conversation. There's kind of clear, all right, who's going to be up next. You volunteer to be up next. And then you can also um, respond non-verbally, like agreeing with what somebody was said, but in this digital space, it's basically, so students are on devices during the live round table to, to facilitate who's going to talk next or, or being able to support something without having to speak up. Um, and students can like nudge somebody else to talk. So sometimes instead of, you know, that teacher being like, you know, young, don't you want to add anything? You haven't said anything yet, you know? So a peer instead can be like, hey, young, I think you might really have something interesting to say here. That's parlay ideas in a nutshell. They definitely have, I think, um, the like lesson library is free always. And then you get 12 free round tables online or live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it's paid. But I think it's a really nice way to have discussions. Um, oh, and once the discussion is over, you get this, basically these charts and these graphs about like how the participation went and was it, you know, mostly um, like, how did, how did the conversation flow and, and how much was it perhaps um, dominated by, by one person or, Mm. or how much did we have, you know, agreements, how, how many new ideas did we have, how many build on? So you can, you can go over like the data about the discussion as a class and talk about it so that you can improve and, and hopefully um, bring in more voices and improve those like debate skills and those conversation skills for next time. I think um, I'm just thinking about like how to prep my students for this because I feel like a lot of responsibility and a mm-hmm. lot of like um kind of like maturity, I guess, 
I can see something like this happening in one of my lessons with um, even like science topics, I think, or just different different subjects. I think this would be really cool for ELA, like book reports in a different format or just like discussions about the book or specific chapters and ooh, like maybe like what a discussion about what you would do differently as the character or like mm. maybe there's a pivotal point in the novel study that we're doing and yeah this could be a real a real good way to get all students involved in those discussions rather than just like one or two kids sharing out and dominating everything exactly yes and I think, so this other um, tool is called Kialo and it's Kialo EDU and their, you know, mission they claim here is it is a unique tool for teaching critical thinking and uh, similar, or I guess, similarly, I guess they, they have an argument mapping and debate site, they call it. Um, and again, I think it kind of integrates this, this element of online discussion for students and, um, and taking a look at, at the breakdown of the arguments in this discussion. I haven't explored this one nearly as much, um, but I feel like they're both set in a way that to just to really help um, all the voices be heard in a discussion. Mm -hmm. I just, I think I think I, I love these because I felt that a lot as, as a teacher, I want to have discussions. I want to have debates, but they're so tough because you do always have those same few kids That's true. Yeah. that are always speaking and those same few kids that never speak. And it's like, how do I, how do I equal this out and hear from all right. the voices? Yeah. The voices thing is key because you know each student has their own like background and upbringing just like things that they can bring to the to the table in these discussions and their own perspectives and you want to hear from all of them so and I think students all benefit from hearing from each other rather than just a couple kids who always participate yes yes Man, I feel <laughs> bringing back memories of all sorts of discussions. I would, I would try, and I felt like I was always out there looking for the next thing that would help me mm -hmm. manage these discussions and and get more participation. So, I like these two tools for doing that. All right, we don't want this episode to go too long, and plus. You've been waiting a long time for a new episode from us, so we're going to split this in two. So be sure to check out the second half of this EdTech Palooza podcast um, coming soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and please follow us on Twitter at Bell Ringers Show.